Welcome to College Sense and Sensibility, where we share first-gen tips for navigating college and beyond. I'm Yutunde, and with me is my co-host, Emmanuel. Hey, Yutunde. So we're doing a quick episode on some current news that came out, talking about some school loan forgiveness. What's this Mm -hmm. all about? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, financial aid is always near and dear to my heart, because that's where I first started and got my taste of student services. Um, And so I was you know, intrigued, like many people who have worked in financial aid or, you know, know plenty of um, people in the financial aid circles uh, about Biden, President Biden's um, announcement on Wednesday um, about student loan forgiveness. So for those that don't know, um, on Wednesday, President Biden announced forgiveness of up to $20,000 of federal student loans, um, $10,000 for people who have below, who earn below $125,000 a year or couples that make below $250,000 a year. And then an additional $10,000 if the person was a Pell Grant recipient. So why does this matter to you? Is my what you might be wondering. <laughs> so there are a lot of other great things that, whether you agree or disagree with the loan forgiveness part, there are a lot of other great things that were put into place in terms of limiting uh, college costs for students in the future, and also um, students who qualify for public loans of forgiveness. So these are people like our teachers and our police officers and our. Um, you know, public servants or social workers. Uh, there are a lot of great protections that I think a lot of us who have been part of the financial aid service community are glad to see. Nice, nice. And when we're talking about Wednesday, it was the 24th of August, right? Because we're recording a little ahead yes. of time, right? Yeah, yes, so. yes, yes. 2022. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. So depending on y'all listening. And so what are some of the things that you feel that you felt will really benefit our students or our graduates who have some loans? Yeah. So, okay. So first thing is, let's be clear about who qualifies. So first, you have to be a... Your, your loans have to be federally held, which means your servicer, who you pay your loans to every month, would have to be the Department of Education. So if you have refinanced your loans, you've got a private lender, you have student loans, but they're with, you know, Wells Fargo or something like that, you are not in this you are not in this boat, okay? Oh. So only people, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> only people who still have federally held student loans. So that's the first thing. Second thing is you have to make under $125,000 if you're an individual or under $250,000 if you're a married couple. That affects a lot of people. You can get up to $10,000 forgiven that way. Next group is folks who got a Pell Grant while they were in school. So if you had a Pell Grant and you meet the other two criteria, you would get an additional $10,000. So up to $20,000 wow. forgiven. Okay. Now, what I'm really excited about, though, is the public student loan forgiveness program. If you've kind of, if you are keeping, if you keep up with news or you have any sort of knowledge of this field, you know that this program got a lot of flack because when it was first introduced, it would take students 10 years before they could even have the possibility of applying for forgiveness. And most people were being denied. It was something like under 5% of people were being approved. So now with these new changes, payments that didn't count before 
now can be counted. So that means before, if you were an active military um, student and you were deployed, any, any time during that deployment didn't count towards your forgiveness, right? Even though you were active duty military. Well, now those would count. So instead of, you know, accruing interest and interest upon interest, those, that period of time is covered. And that's just one example. There are a lot of other examples, right? Like teachers who may be in deferment or, you know, public servants who may be in deferment. Well, all that time now counts. And the paperwork is, has been made simpler. It's been, it's been um, reduced to one or two pages of documentation from your employer. You submit and you can um, get your loans forgiven after you've made your 120 payments. So here's the key about that. This doesn't mean that these students don't pay anything. They still have to make a minimum of 120 payments, right? Mm -hmm. So, but before you couldn't accelerate that, you couldn't do additional payments. If you went into deferment, that time didn't count, even though there were no payments due. Um, But now that, that has changed, right? So more people are able to actually get their loans forgiven. So those are the students who are really, really going to benefit from this. Yeah, just what you're saying about, especially just being as an educator, I remember looking into that and I found it really challenging. I was like, oh my gosh, there seems to be like a lot of paperwork. And then I had to wait the the, the 10-year period. Um, so so it, I felt like there was a lot of hoops to jump to, to get some of those forgiveness pieces. But I get it. I, I, for me, I was like, well, I get it. If I could get some of that forgiven, like they're going to make, you know, they're going to make it a little challenging. So make sure we can follow through. Um, so, so, but that's some good stuff. What, anything else here that you want to share with our listeners that you'll feel that will benefit maybe our students who are currently taking courses right now and have some loans? Yes. So if you are currently in undergraduate school, meaning you're working towards your bachelor's degree before you would have to pay a minimum when you graduated, you would get your grace period and then you would be required to pay a minimum of 10% of your discretionary income towards your loans. Now, if you live in a high cost of living state, (laughs) like where we are in California or in New York or, you know, an expensive state, name your state, right? Um, That can be a lot of money, right? That can be a huge amount of money. So now that has been cut in half to 5% required to be, to pay towards your loans. Um, And no matter what, after 10 years, if you still have a balance of any kind, your um, your loan is automatically forgiven, especially if you borrowed under $12,000. So this is a particular incentive for you to make sure you take advantage of other programs that are available, like Federal Work Study, like Pell Grants, like SCOG, turning your payments and turning your application in on time so you can get as much as possible so that you can keep your balance your student loan balance as low as possible and then eventually have them either you know forgiven or have a re- significantly reduced amount that you have to pay gotcha gotcha and what what do you think in your opinion are things that we're going to kind of see from this whole bill being passed mm, well i think for one it's going to uh sort of slow the increase of student loan of of college cost Right, because what was happening in the past is that every time the Department of Ed increased the amount a student could borrow, colleges would increase their costs equally. 
right? <laughs> so as the borrowing capability grew, so did the cost, right? So now that that's being reduced, I think that that will kind of slow that down. I think it'll just make students a lot more aware of what it's going to mean when you graduate and what you owe. One of the other things that happened way back in the day when I was still working in financial aid, which was a step in towards this same direction, um, was financial aid offices uh, were now required to have students at least research how much they could earn with the degree they were pursuing and how much they would owe. Right. So I think that kind of that kind of thing gives students sort of a realistic perspective of what they're what they should be borrowing. Right. Versus what they could possibly make. So that was a step in the right direction. And I think this sort of, you know, minimizing discretionary payments and how much a student can borrow and having a cap. I think all of that sort of will sort of slow down. Uh, people borrowing too much, right? Because in our generation, especially Gen X, right, a lot or or older millennials, many many people overborrowed versus how much they could make, right? So I think this was sort of get, head us in the right direction. There's more that could be done, but at least I think we're taking steps in the right direction. You know, I love what you're saying. Is just to get started and to doing that research early, and I love that. I always tell my students like, you know, part of this process is also like trying to teach you how to do things, right? Either borrow money or understanding the loan program or understanding how financial aid is helping you and what you can do to also, you know, have less worry when you graduate. So I I just kind of love that research and the teaching and the learning piece because I'm always big on as much as we can learn to just improve is so helpful for our students, especially financially because the more tools you're you have at your disposal to understand finances i always feel that the better you'll you'll be successful once you get that first professional job or that second and you continue to move up absolutely so what is the one thing you think is a takeaway for students from this to pay attention to some of these policies and uh, that come out right i think sometimes we're so busy you know i remember as a student myself right it was like i was just thinking about classes i was just thinking about how to eat um how to pay for food so i could eat but some of these big policies are gonna benefit you or could also hurt you right so it's really important to understand how our system works and advocate for yourself as well as um for others to support them as much as you can and and just i think that learning piece is is critical Yutsunde, what would be your one thing my one thing is do not if you can don't refinance your loans <laughs> if you are getting federal loans direct federal loans um you are more able to benefit from changes in policy than if you have private loans so as much as possible um Keep your loans with the Department of Education. Good tip. Thanks, Yutende, for sharing. And listeners, please rate, review, and follow us. We really appreciate it. If you leave any comments, we would love to read them. And remember, as a podcast, we're here for informational purposes only. Please always check with your financial aid office or your financial advisor, if you have one, or your counselor to support you with any of these decisions that you would like to make. And Yutende, you mind letting our listeners know where they can find us at? 
So listeners, we want to hear from you. If anything we've said today resonates or if you've got a question, you want to make a comment, you can find us at CC underscore sensibility on both IG and Twitter. And you can also email us at CC and sensibility at gmail.com. That's CC and S-E-N-S-I-B-I-L-I-T-Y at gmail.com. And until next time, keep learning.